0: Welcome to the RMM-TV Podcast. I'm Rennie McLean. We are into the supernatural. We believe that the supernatural is the way that you're to walk, the way you're to live. I'm Dr. Marina McLean, and I know that this is a time to walk naturally in the supernatural grasping all the facets and infrastructure that keeps your mind tuned to what the spirit of the lord is saying come and find out how to walk in the supernatural by becoming a subscriber to rmm tv now Now. Mm -hmm. i want you to open your bibles with me to Leviticus 23 and we're going to read verse 38 to 41 I promise you you are going to have an encounter with the Lord in his word that's going to really open your eyes to what God has in store for you anything related to the glory of God is where the things that are in store for you are It's in his glory. Hallelujah. So I want you to go with me now to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 38 to 41 from the King James version of the Bible. And it reads like this. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord and besides your gifts and beside all your vows, and beside all your free will offerings, which ye shall give unto the Lord, also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord. Seven days. And, sorry, on the first day, Shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. This is interesting. And ye shall and ye shall take you on the first day the dough of the goodly trees and branches of palm trees, and the boughs of the thick trees, and the willows of the brooks. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And I want you to notice how often the number seven is used. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Now, I want you to notice how the Lord introduces the number by way of Shabbat, Sabbath. The Sabbath is always the seventh, and it represents rest. Save a word with me, rest. That's one of the things in these end times that god's people are going to have to come into to go through what's coming on the earth is rest say the word with me rest so shabbat sabbath it represents rest now we're going to talk a bit today about sukkot and we're going to come into a you're going to come into an understanding of something that i've taught years ago and I'm going to bring some other stuff to it on a later date because this is an ongoing revelation. Remember, we're not talking the historical things. It's very People don't understand this. You can Google history, but you can't Google revelation. So we're talking about what the Spirit of the Lord is saying now. We understand what he said, but we have to understand what he is saying now through these feasts. We don't bring an historical message in a now. Oh, this is too good. You don't bring an historical message in a now moment. In a now moment, heaven speaks. And that's what we've got to hear. So I want you to write these principles down because what I'm going to share with you, I promise you, you are not going to retain it all. You are going to have to write it down. Listen to this. Sukkot is the feast of original intent. It represents divine fulfillment and completion. It's the final harvest of the entire year. Harvest time starts at Passover, and the last harvest is at Sukkot. So Sukkot is the ending Of all things. It is the gathering of all things. So we understand how God uses a specific time to reveal and manifest specific things. So I want you to hear it again what Sukkot represents. Sukkot is the feast of original intent, divine. Fulfillment and completion. Listen to this now. It's the pattern of the language of God. Declaring the end from the beginning. It's the full cycle of time. There is never an ending of something unless there is to be a beginning of something. And one of the ways how we know when something new is on the horizon, the the end, sometimes things can come to an end abruptly. Or sometimes you can feel the signs of when something is coming to its end. But there is no end in the mind of God unless there is a beginning. I'm speaking to you right now because I believe We are in a time of what? New beginnings. You say, why? Because this is the end of the Shemitah year. At the end of the reset is the beginning of the new. Now, there are some people that God's going to do an extension of a reset. You say, why? Because there are some things that are falling into place. But in the mind of God, you're still going to come into that which is new. So keep that in your mind. So it's God declaring the end from the beginning. That's the full cycle of time. Also, Sukkot, it's the feast of the word made flesh. God dwelling in the midst of his people. In other words, when we say the midst of something, the purest definition of the word myths is the word the middle. In other words, he is the center of attention. Now, there are some people that um, I, I cannot speak to it because it's not my truth and I don't speak what's not revealed to me, but also it is believed to be that the word middle is a place of elevation, so and it makes sense where the Lord says, "If I be lifted up, well elevated, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me." So it's a time where God dwells in the midst of His people; He becomes the center of all things. In other words, it's man living in, and I want, you, and I'm going to begin to use this phrase a lot it is man living off of the prosperity of his presence. now that's going to become now a lot of people are going to try and imitate it but listen to listen to who's telling you it. the prosperity of his presence doesn't come from what you are able to do it comes from what he has provided for you, as a result of you living and staying in his presence. That's why Psalms 23, what does it conclude with? David said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, that's symbolic of, and I will dwell in what? The presence of the Lord forever. In the presence of the Lord, we are furnished. In the presence of the Lord, we are complete. In the presence of the Lord, we're full. In the presence of the Lord, we are absent of nothing. It is the prosperity of his presence. Now, why is this feast the most powerful of all? Passover, listen to this now. Passover is a feast. It's a certain time. It's a certain segment. Pentecost is a certain segment. Okay, when you say Sukkot, it's the entirety of what Passover and Pentecost is a part of. So, in other words, Sukkot is the conclusion of the three. Now, listen to this. This is why it tells us, and I want to—I really want you to hear this because this is profound. That's why when you look in Leviticus twenty-three and you read the first few verses, it tells us that it's that these times are what a holy convocation. Now this is what the word convocation means. It has a very interesting meaning. It's a set, a pot gathering. It's a rehearsal. Now a rehearsal is defined as the act of practicing something in preparation for a future event. In other words, each feast is is preparatory. Each feast means something. Now, everything with God is in forward motion. You might not believe it to be. It might look like you're going back. No, you're going forward. You just don't realize what going forward sometimes entail. The Bible says, for example, it is from, notice, faith to faith. There is no such thing as a regression of faith. There is no such thing as a regression of glory because it also says it's from glory to glory. So that's why there's no such thing as a revival of the glory. The glory is always forward. So keep that now in your mind. No no matter what it looks like, no matter what you're going through, guess what? You are going forward. These are the days of progression. Hallelujah. Oh, I felt it. These are the days of progression. These are the days of taking territory. Keep that in your mind now. So this is why to me it's very important now. So this feast is the conclusion of the whole matter. Keep that in your mind. Now, the word tells us. Now, this is the time, and and I've said this once, but I'm going to say it again. This is the time that Jesus was born. That's why the Bible says when he was born, the Bible says in Galatians 4, it tells us he was born what? The fullness of time. Now hear this now. In the fullness of time, things have to happen. You say, why? Because it, they have to happen. It's when God has scheduled it. Listen to what it says now. Sing John 1, 14, Famous scripture verse that we only have part revelation of. So in other words, in the fullness of time, Keep it in your mind now. In the fullness of time, and the word was made flesh. There is a time in our lives where all of what we know has to become manifested. There's a time in life where everything we know, we have to start walking in. And the Bible, and Jesus was everything that was prophesied of. Jesus was everything that was promised. So he was The fulfillment of the measurement of prophecy. So the word now says, and that word was made flesh. And the Bible says it dwelt among us. Now when it says he dwelt among us now, now another definition or another translation says it more accurate. It says he tabernacled amongst us. So that statement right there indicates to us when Jesus was born, the time period. So it's very important. So speaking of that now, listen to this, because I believe it's going to really bless you today. Go with me quickly to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 21. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 21 to 23. Listen to what it says now. And also what I'm reading here, what we're reading now in uh, Matthew 1, verse 21 to 23, keep in your mind the word made flesh. Hear this now. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which interpreted is what? God with us. Keep that now in your mind now. So here we see, through this feast, through this feast, we see God as man. Oh my goodness. He was the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Based on Colossians 1, based on Colossians 1 and 2. Hear this now. So in other words, that's why, when, that's why we have to get this revelation that Jesus was God and man at the same time. This feast is the fulfillment of the cycle of God. Nothing ends unless it's fulfilled. So in this Sukkot is where all things end. Now, Ephesians 1 says it like this. It speaks about the climax of the ages. Well, the climax of the ages is the ending of all things. So prophetically speaking, it represents Sukkot. It can't represent Pentecost. It can't represent Passover because they were feasts that were part of the end of the age. So hear this now. In this feast... This is why I love it so much. It reveals both of his coming. It reveals his virgin birth, because he was born that time. And it also reveals his second coming. And it also reveals his appearance. That's why this is so powerful. And this feast, it represents... Restoration. It represents rest. So in other words, in Jesus Christ is the pattern of Sukkot. And Sukkot, like when at Sukkot and I was tabernacles, and Sukkot, like Pesach, Passover, and like Pentecost, Shavuot, this is the key. They are free, progressive revelations from the mind of God to the church. Those three. That's how powerful this is. And let me tell you why it's in three. Why it's in threes. Revelations 1, verse 8. It reads like this. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and what? The end. Now watch this. Now the begin. This is powerful. The beginning and the end. Watch it. Watch this now. The beginning and the end. Our salvation was at Passover, Pesach. The Holy Spirit, who came, Jesus said He comes to testify of Him. So we see the witness of the Godhead in these free feasts so that's why they are a progressive revelation you don't have to go by the historical things we have to understand what the spirit is saying now to the church but not everybody is going to have a now revelation of what these feasts mean you say why because the word says let him that have an ear to hear let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So not everybody is going to hear. That's why when we say certain things about what the Lord is doing, relating to the feast, you say, why? Not everybody hears it. You say, why? They don't have an ear to hear. They're stuck in history. They're not in the now. And the voice of God of creation, the voice of God to the church, the voice of God before he's coming, it's in these free feasts. And if you remove those free feasts, You can't track where we are in the progression of time. So here now, so hear that simple truth again. So Sukkot and Pesach and Shavuot, they are all progressive revelation of his coming, his return, and his appearance. Listen. So that's why it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Well, what's, what's in between the beginning and the end? The now. What's in the beginning? Now, you've got to get this now. What's in the middle of the beginning and the end? Shavuot. Shavuot, Pentecost. That's when the church was born. That's when the body of Christ was birthed. Shavuot, Pentecost. And here now we see now where he says, Now, I am the Alpha and the Omega, The beginning and the end, saith the Lord. Here it is now. Which is, and which was, and which is to come? The Almighty. It's right there before us. It's very plain. And then it tells us also in the book of Hebrews. It says, and he is what? The same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see the pattern of God. They have not changed. They're only continually being revealed. Now, hear this now. That's why when the Holy Spirit comes, he can only testify of Jesus. That's his assignment. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to testify to you about who Moses was. He is not come to testify to you who Joshua was or who the prophets were. No, the assignment of the Holy Spirit, Jesus clearly said, he is going to testify of me. So that's why if you don't have the Holy Spirit, no, number one, you don't know Jesus in the now. That's why you know Jesus historically, but you don't have a now revelation of Jesus. You say, why? Because only the Holy Spirit who is the witness, can do that. Okay, hear this now as we go on now. What's this now? I want you to go with me now. Now, this is why sacrificing and giving at these times are important. Go with me. To Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to read you the Christmas story, but in the right time. And it's going to make more sense to you, and it's going to really help you to see. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, from the King James Version of the Bible. Hear what it says now. When they had heard the king, the Magi's who went before Herod, When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star. Now, let me just pause here. And I'm not really doing this justice. I just want to put this out before you. The Bible says that when the disciples asked relating to Jesus' coming, Jesus stated different realms where signs will be manifested. He said, listen to this now. He said there will be signs in the heavens. See, we go by the signs of politics. We go by the signs of what take place in the nations. But back then, they understood that the voice of God in the heavens was through the stars. The perversion of that today is astrology. The Bible believes in astronomy, not astrology. Astrology is the counterfeit. So here now... In his first coming, listen to this now. The heavens testify of his birth, and Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four. Again, he said, and when he comes, he said, and there'll be signs in the heavens. That's so. This is why this is so. This is why this is so important. And it says, and they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them. And listen to this now. Till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. In other words, they realized the star was testifying to who he was. And they recognized it. Isn't it interesting how in today's world the church is looking to I better be careful. The church right now is looking to politics to estimate how close we are to the return of the Lord. No, we're actually told to understand. But Jesus said there's going to be signs in the heavens. Okay, listen to what it goes on to say now. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their... My God of mercy. And this is too good. And they fell down and worshipped him. Let me pause right here. I'm going to give you a revelation here. The Lord was dealing with with me. Um, I was in... Charleston, South Carolina, and the Lord spoke with me, and I and I, and it didn't come back to my spirit again till just now. And I saw I guess right now is the time to say it. And the Lord said this to me, and it's gonna open your eyes. He said today, in our giving, he said to me, worship has been removed from our given. If you notice today, we give out of a sense of duty. Or if we tell you what God's going to do in your life, you plant a seed in it, and that's really good. But what we've missed now in becoming so self-conscious is that our worship has gone from our giving. There is no reverence to it now. So that's why the concept now is you just put it there. There is the concept that giving is worship is gone. and so we, and if you notice, the concept today is this: Let's hurry and take the offering. If you want, if you don't, you have no idea how many times we have grieved God. That is so opposite to what the spirit of true giving is one of the greatest offense that god has today against the church is our worship has gone from our giving and our giving has become need-based so if it's need-based then it's not worship i'm gonna read to you again And when when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they fell down to worship. Then the next phase of their worship Was their treasure. And they presented unto him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These three gifts were prophetic. I don't know if these magi fully knew the depth of what they were doing. They didn't realize how much what they did was a fulfillment of prophecy. And bear this in mind now. This is what we've never seen because we only read this in light of it being the Christmas story. But these free gifts that they brought, guess what they really were? They were feast offerings. This feast, Sukkot, it tells the entirety of your life. Everything Jesus was, was in these free gifts. Let me break them down and tell you what they were. So you want to say prophetic these free gifts were. I hope you're writing this down. In, oh, say, okay, okay. In these three gifts, you see originality, purpose, and destiny. Say those words with me again. Originality, purpose, and destiny. Say one more time. Originality, purpose, and destiny. One more time. Originality, purpose, and destiny. Here we see revelation, prophecy, and deity in these free gifts. Now listen to this. Let me tell you what they represent. Gold, gold as a color, it represents consecration unto the Lord. Gold also is a color that represents deity. And here now. And gold represents kingdom wealth. So in other words, when the gold was presented before him, it means that they recognized him as a king. Two, the second gift. The frankincense. What does frankincense represent? And let me tell you how this is a part that I think the church doesn't really get. Frankincense was used in the temple as an offering unto deity. So in other words, they were recognizing that he was no ordinary man. By what they gave, they were saying that you were God, that he was God and man at the same time through this gift. This is powerful. Let me back up. Let me say it to you again. Let me back up again. Gold, it represents consecration unto the Lord. It represents Deity and it represents kingdom wealth. Hear it again. So it means all our giving is to him as king, not him as man. He is the king of what? Kings. He's the lord of what? Lords. This gold was powerful, but we don't fully understand it because we tell this story the wrong time, so it has no meaning. The frankincense, let me get into the frankincense. The frankincense was used in the temple as an offering unto the Lord. So, in other words, they recognized, they recognized his holiness unto the Father. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. They recognized. They recognize that's what the frankincense represents. It's a symbol of holiness and righteousness unto the Lord. This is good. Now listen to this now. Do you know how frankincense is made? It's made from the outer bark of a tree. Now listen to this now. It's cut With a metal knife. Does it sound familiar to you? It's cut with a metal knife, causing it to bleed. Uh, Let me tell you what we're hearing through the frankincense. We're hearing his death. That's what you're hearing. Now, hear it again how it's made. I want you to really get this. It's made from the outer back of a tree. It's cut out. And I want you to say the word with me, cut out. Say it with me, cut out. Say it again, cut out. That's a analogy of the word holy. It means to be what? Cut and separated. That's one of the first things about when somebody is called. You are cut and what? Separated. When you are king, you are separated. When you are a prophet, you are separated. When you are the priest, you are separated. Hear me. As believers in Christ, we too are commanded to be what? Holy. Set apart. And did you know that frankincense was one of the key ingredients that was put in the oil? To anoint the priests in the Old Testament. So that's why in some this is this is too good. That's why when somebody says you're anointed, you're never anointed until you've been cut. There's not a lot of people today that is cut. There's not a lot of people today with a genuine anointing. You say why? They've never been cut. When God cuts you. You can't be anything other than what he's cut you for. These men didn't... These, you think these men understood all of this? They probably did not. Let me read you the whole thing. Because this is how frankincense is made. It's, the, it's, it's cut out of the outer back of a tree with a metal knife. Oh, it says a lot, doesn't it? He was... I mean, he was a... a this is too good. With a metal knife causing the recent in it, and recent is spelled R-E-S-I, recent, to bleed out. Then a few weeks later, the harvester, the person who harvests everything, returns and gathers the recent tears that have flowed from the tree. In other words, there's the bleeding of the life. There's the bleeding of the life. What do you see? What do you see when Jesus was being whipped? What do you see? You see Isaiah 53. You see it clearly. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement Of our peace was laid upon him, cut out, and by his stripes we are healed. It is said that when Jesus was whipped with that whip, it is said that chunks of his flesh came out in that whip. They said you could see into his body, and the blood poured, it drained, it was speaking. Salvation, healing, prosperity, deliverance. They brought him gold, frankincense, and now myrrh. What is the myrrh? Myrrh represents death and mourning. It represents his sacrifice. This is how myrrh is made. There's a crushing and a grinding in how you make myrrh. Till it's crushed, it can't be made. And they brought unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh at that feast time, that feast time tells you the entire life of Christ. And it also tells us why the church is to honor these free feasts. So as Jesus gave his life so that we could have life, That's why the church was born at Shavuot, Pentecost. The Bible teaches us that we are to give at this moment. Oh, my God. And I close with this. In fact, oh, Lord, have mercy. I might as well read it to you. I can honestly say this is so funny to me. You know why this is funny to me? It, I, it, it was just, I didn't expect to even give this. Listen to this now. Just to show you how this is powerful. <laughs> Scripture we quote with partial understanding. Malachi 3. Behold, I, Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I will send forth my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly. When Jesus came the first time, that wasn't sudden. It was predicted. I want you to hear it. Because remember, the language of God, we talk backwards. We look at the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. It says, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Hear this now. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, but who may abide the day of his coming? Hear it again. And who shall stand when he appeareth? So we, And this hasn't happened yet. You say, why? He, the rapture hasn't taken place yet. So in numbers, he hasn't appeared yet. And then it says now, for he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. Hear this now. For what purpose now? That they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Stop right there. An offering in righteousness. Last verse, and I'm going to stop now. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. Um, And then we quote the scripture that we go on to read. Will a man rob God? And then he says, you have. And he said, where? In tithes and offerings. We teach the tithe, though we don't teach the offerings right. So we're not so we don't come into the fullness of, of the economy of God, heaven's blessing. And he says, I'll open the windows. That's why few people walk under an open heaven. Not much is poured out. You say why? Because we tithe and give to the Lord. But then the Bible speaks about feast offerings. That's where the church has fallen short. Feast offerings. You say, how long do we keep giving these offerings? Until he comes. Until he comes. And as we give, the word tells us that we will prosper. Even when things look rough, you will prosper. You say, why? Because you've kept the divine appointment of the Lord. As we close today, I want to close with this statement. This is not a time to question the word. There's too many things at stake right now. Man's economy right now is like this. Heaven's is equal. And God is leveling everything. You say, why? Why? Is given his people a chance to come into the end time harvest. That's the word of the Lord, folks. The end time harvest. I want to challenge you right now in this season of the Lord to release the sacrifice. None of those sacrifices are the same. Three different feasts. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, three separate offerings. Because those free offerings testify to your future. And during this time, the Bible teaches the Book of Life is open and if you go back to what we read originally in Leviticus 23 those verses we read it says it's a time where the vows you made unto the Lord it is held against you till you pay it heaven's heaven's credit is accessed when you don't have money you say why it's when you say God I don't have it but if you give me this i will do this that's how you make a vow and then god gives you the thing and you didn't even qualify for it that's gone now if you don't give what you vowed the bible teaches that there's a judgment attached to a vow that that isn't paid there are things you can come into when you don't even have the money you believe you want to have you say how make the vow make the vow unto the Lord and you what let me tell you what the vow does the vow causes God to go into the future of your life and to take a deposit from your future to give it to you in your present so you can walk in your future now but you have to make a down payment on that vow there are, there's a people right now that need to make that vow. And a vow is not where you make $50 or $100, no, 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 no. This is a time of the year where Jews, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm telling you this, this is fact. Jews give millions. Those, who those, no matter what Jew whether you are, middle class Jew, whatever, they give from their treasure. They give, that, not the thousand that we give today and struggle with. They give thousands many of you right now you need to be giving thousands you need to be changing the seeds you've sown you say why because the seeds you've you are sowing testifies to the realm you believe you're going to enter in i'm telling you what i know i've seen god do this time and time again if you can't sell property make a vow watch god sell it if you can't i, I mean i'm just telling you what i've seen we have testimonies that we need to post. All the there's we have there's no feast we don't have testimonies of. There's a lot of people talking about this, but don't have the testimonies of it. This ministry has the testimonies of it. One, you're blessed because you're hearing a Jew teach it to you. And I'm telling you right now, this is what the Bible calls God's set time to favor you. But you have to release that sacrifice. It's got to be the sacrifice. We know people that have given millions of dollars. We've we've we know people who've given fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars to God, and we can tell you their testimonies. We've got sons and daughters saying it's the biggest year I ever had, when everybody said uh, things are hard. Let me help you with something. The Bible says, in a year of famine. It says, Isaac sowed and got a hundredfold. Okay. Now, you know what they're saying right now? Recession. Okay. What are you sowing ahead of recession? So that when recession hits, guess what? You won't be in recession. Because before recession hits, God will make sure your seed is harvested. I'm going to challenge you right now to go right now. All the details are up on the screen. And I want you to recognize that this is God's set time to favor you. In Jesus' name, I bless you right now as you obey the Lord. Let me pray a prayer over you. Father God, as your servant, I bless those who sacrifice because it is your word and your word is true. As they release the sacrifice, release the overtaking blessing, open doors that they could never get into. Put them in places they could never get in. Give them favor that they just have never had in them. Father, prove, I just heard the word of the Lord. Prove their sacrifice. Prove their gift. Prove their sacrifice as they give unto you in jesus name right now i've said what the lord has put in my mouth go ahead right now and release your sacrifice and hear this now because we're not doing the infinity encounter we're gonna be home for, well, for the next several days remember you who give the sacrificial seed remember call in the ministry Do it online. All the details are there for you to give. And remember what I'm going to do. I will be able to Zoom you or call you. We do that at all the feast times. Because it's God's appointed time. Remember, only those who give the sacrificial seeds. Because it's the time of sacrifice. I promise you, you will Zoom me. My office will set it up. And I'm looking forward to meeting you. Don't forget, go ahead right now and release your sacrifice. God bless you. Thank you so much for, for participating, because I really feel that this is your breakout year. God bless you. Bye-bye. For more Breakthrough Encounters, visit us on rmm.live.